This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. All right. And good evening. Let's go ahead and get into Colossians here. Just, just to kind of recap the introduction. If I'm too hot, let me know. I'll pull that mic back a little bit. Is that better? It's <laughs> just booming in through here. Dane's just eating it up. All right, so to recap Colossians briefly, I don't want to spend too much time with that, but... Paul is in prison in Rome, and he's writing uh, a few books or a few letters uh, to make good use of his time, right? He's not just sitting in the jail jail cell um, singing spirituals, right? He's he's working, which I think is really cool uh, that he has this chance to really kind of have a rest from, you know, the stonings and the floggings and the shipwrecks <laughs> the being chased out of different cities and stuff. But here he is, house arrest, uh, and he's, he's writing letters um, to, uh, to churches, to Christians. And the letter that he writes to Colossians, our best guess, I, I, I hesitate to use the words probably, a lot when we do a lot of this sort of uh, textual analysis because I feel like if we say, well, it's probably this, then we, we tend to think it was that, you know, and then we say, and then probably B, you know, we go from probably A to probably B and then to probably C, you know, and it may be really high probability, like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, are you, are you, like, how confident are you, like, probably what? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm 90, 90% sure, you know, it's like, it's probably this. I was like, oh, okay, well, we, we take it probably that then, right? It's, it's that. Well, you do that, and then another 90% probable, you know, we start taking it like it's gospel truth, but Anybody that, you know, knows anything about probability knows that you two of those are down to 80% probable, you know. And, you you know, if you do that like up to 22 times, you know, and I know I'm chaining together a long series of probabilities, but I'm just, I'm coming, I'll come back to this later. Um, If you do that 22 times, you've got a 90% chance that didn't happen. (laughs) So, you know... So when I hear and read a lot of uh, commentaries or, um, you know, scholarly writings and stuff like that, I hear a lot of probabilities, and those make me uncomfortable. So what I want to focus on really is the text. Um, We do know from later on in the text that they're dealing with something we, we, that is named today and previously as, as Gnosticism. This idea that, uh, you know, I, I've got some better understanding than you do and 
things are different than you really think they are, and I know more, and this, this knowledge gives me uh, different liberties, and it, it really was eating away at the doctrine uh, that the church was given early on. So, I thought I'd first start off just with, oh goodness, don't bother me with that, with just reading it. Since it, I'm, I'm just presenting on the first eight verses, right? It's, it's one slide. <laughs> so I'm going to go through it and just read it together. And I know that's probably pretty uh, easy to read, but maybe even a little easier now. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learn from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So, in the New King James here, verses 3 through 8 is one sentence. And it's just, I'm, I'm not a translator, so I'm not going to speak to too much of that. I know that sometimes, like, in situations like this, I actually like to go to the uh, NIV reader's version, uh, which breaks things down for early readers or you know, not necessarily children, but people that just are learning to read English. Um, and it, it'll take something like this, and it will break it down into almost like bullet point this. Uh, uh, but at that point, it's less of a translation and more of a paraphrase, kind of, in, in a way. So take it for, you know, what it is. But that does help, help me sometimes break these really long sentences down into different points. Um, let's start here. Paul. This is the, uh, who it's from. It's hard to miss this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. This is from both Paul and Timothy. I want to hit these points high so that we can at least sort of get a, a, an overview of, of these eight verses. So this is just who it's coming from, Paul and Timothy, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Okay, from Paul and Timothy to Colossae, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very standard greeting from Paul. It would be unusual, actually, if this wasn't here. Um, but this is how he, he greets them. Uh, and then here we give thanks to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus 
and of your love for all the saints. So this is also very common with what we call sometimes the, those with the big words, say the Pauline epistles. Um, but basically, we've, we've heard about you and your faith and your love in Jesus, and we're thanking God and praying for you a lot. All right. Um, and he specifically calls out uh, your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And this is something I want to come back to later. But this last bit here, <clears throat> this truth of the gospel, has something that 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 is going to, I think, anchor the rest of this passage tonight. All right, so let's dig into some of this. We have, a, we have an opening, you know, who it's from, who it's to, a standard greeting, kind of an addressing about, hey, I'm, I've heard about you and your love and your faith, and I'm, and I'm praying for you a lot. Uh, and now let's drill into this a little bit. Because this, you know, this verse-by-verse study I grew up on. And I really appreciate some of the details that you can draw out in this kind of a study uh, as opposed to maybe a a topical sermon or something which is is more standard for Sunday morning. Um, But so let's look at this. Um, Paul. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Uh, So, first off, you know, it's clear it's Paul. Uh, And he says, hey, I'm an apostle. And he says, I'm an apostle, not just because I chose to be, but because it's God's will. And that's important because it establishes authority. And I think that's important for us to remember when we, when we read these letters to the church that, hey, there's authority in these scriptures, in these letters. I mean, when they, they didn't start off as like, oh, this is in the Bible, right? People didn't, they, they, they start off as like a letter in the mail. Well, maybe not in the U.S. Postal Service, of course, but, you know, somebody brought them something written on paper, Right? And, uh, and so what? I mean, I, I get stuff in the mail all the time. I don't, <laughs> most of it, nearly all of it, has zero authority at all. It just it doesn't even get read. It gets, you know, right into the trash. But not so with, the, with these letters. Right? They're coming from an apostle chosen by God. There is authority here. And it's interesting to to note that Paul writes this, or Paul and Timothy write this, to Colossae, not just as Paul alone, we see in some of the other epistles, it's just Paul. But this one is included uh, in the who it's from. Now, there are other people there with Paul. Right? I mean, sometimes Paul has got, uh, you know, other people around him. Right? He might have 
have Luke. At the, end of the, at the end of this book, we have a list of people, like we have with so many of other, other of his epistles, where he just starts listing, hey, all these people that are with me, you know, send greetings to you. But he never includes them in the who it's from line. But he does Timothy here. And so that's interesting. I want to look at that. Timothy is there with Paul. Timothy holds a special place with Paul. I think that's what this points out here. That it's not Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Luke, you know, or and uh, Epaphras, right, or and Barnabas. It, it's not, but this time Timothy gets included here. And so it holds a special place. Um, the other thing I think is that it, it lends credibility to Timothy. And I think we see that the need potentially for that in uh, Paul's letter to Timothy specifically saying, hey, let no one despise your youth, uh, Timothy. And so, you know, by including Timothy in the, uh, the basically the heading of the letter, it, I think it, it establishes Timothy in the eyes of of the Christians at that time as, as being trustworthy, as being a faithful disciple and, and one to whom you should both receive and welcome and listen to, right? So Timothy is an evangelist. So he's going around and he's, you know, as Paul sent him before, before to establish elders in the churches. Um, Timothy is someone that we should listen to, or at least they should listen to. All right, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Now, the same way he addresses this, this is the same way he addresses the saints uh, and faithful in, in, in Ephesus. So if I, if I open up the book of Ephesians, I see to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So uh, stuff like this is what gives people the, the thoughts that, oh, well, these books are probably written about the same time. Hmm. Maybe. That's, that's what I like to say. As, that's our best guess. I'm not discounting the work and the analysis that goes into that to bring things that brings out, out things like that, but that's our best guess. So it's a, it's a best guess. But... It is the same way he addresses the Ephesians. So what of that? Um, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll get more to that here in a little bit. One of the things I'd like to say, though, is that it's not talking about two groups here, and I suppose that much is obvious, but I'd like to call it out, uh, especially if, you know, the younger ones here, uh, that you understand that when, when we see to the saints and faithful, we're not talking about two groups. It's not like, to the saints that are in Colossae, and also to the faithful that are beside y'all. Uh, no, it's, this is how he's addressing the church there in Colossae. He's referring to them as saints and faithful brethren in Christ. That's one group. Now, the term saints, so he's not talking about a football team, <laughs> Uh, nor is he talking about a select few individuals that after many years were, had their life history reviewed and were 
seen or at least witnessed to have done at least one miracle and you know, had some kind of special bestowance of sainthood upon them, like knighthood, for instance. That's not who he's talking about either. Saint here is in the, in the Greek refers to holy ones. In fact, it's just one word. Kind of, if you could make a noun out of holy and say, yeah, that's a holy, or you're the holy, that's kind of what it's like. You know, we, but in English, we don't have that. We have the holy ones. You can, you can have the cold, right? You can have something that is cold. Oh, that's very cold. That's a cold pot. It's cold out, you know, um, the, the wind is cold outside, right? It's an adjective. But it can also be a noun. I'm going to go outside into the cold, right? There, it's, it's, it's cold out there. <laughs> um, and so if you could imagine doing that with the word holy, that's, that's kind of where it's to, to the holy and faithful brethren, to the holy ones. And the key root here is that they're different. That's if we, if we draw that word back to other things, and it, it comes from meaning different, different in a special way, in a good way. So you might think of uh, sometimes this word or a variant of it is used to translate like a temple. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a building like other buildings, but it's different. It's, you know, it's, it's set apart, you know, and that's how we get that, that phrase, that set apart. Sometimes we also see the, the word sanctified in the scriptures, and that's what this is referring to here. It's, you're holy, you're, you're different, you're sanctified, you're set apart, and you're faithful brethren. And that means a lot. Uh, I mean, to those who are in Colossae. Because, you know, there's all this, I mean, what's the environment there? You know, it's, it's intense paganism, right? We, here in this area, Christianity is, is almost like a culture. And in some ways that's good, you know, and in some ways I feel like that's bad because it, 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 it sort of blends the lines a little bit, right? Um, People start thinking, oh, yeah, I'm Christian because I grew up that way, even though they haven't really made any decisions to be so. Um, But I also wanted to uh, pull up this verse from Corinthians here. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Okay, so this is coming from the letter to 1 Corinthians. And in Corinth, you know, from what we understand, was even more of a pagan, idolatrous place than Colossae. Um, And just, you know, it had a reputation for being poor morals or amoral. Um, And this is what... Paul writes to them, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified. That means, again, set apart. You you're, you're cut it out. You've been cut out, and you're, you're put over here, and all the rest is, is over here. Called to be saints. Who is, now again, that's, that's 
that's that same basic word there, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. So this opening here, or to the saints and faithful brethren who are uh, in Christ, who are in Colossae, that's um, real common to his letters as well. Um, but this different thing, I, let me go on to First Peter here. But you are a chosen generation. This is from Peter, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I know this is from Peter and not Paul, but in my mind, and, and I think in truth, this is all from the Holy Spirit. Right? We're not reading this stuff because we think that there was a real good writer because it was, you know, C.S. Lewis isn't who we're studying tonight, right? Um, it, it's an apostle who is writing in the Spirit, who is same as Peter. And they're writing the same message to us in different language, but it's that you're chosen. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And we see this in all the, apostles, the uh, letters from Paul and from Peter. So what does that mean? Does it mean that the Colossians aren't special? No, <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It means we're all special. We're all the special people. We're all part of this special group, as it says. Um, all who is that's that's Arkansas. Every place is that's we're in there. So you know, there we go. The Bible's talking about us. How about that? With all who are in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I know we we tell ourselves this a lot, but. It's worth pausing to, to consider how are we being special? How are we being different? How are we being holy? Because sometimes it's not easy. Right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, the, the way he addresses this in Ephesians is grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, which is exactly the same. But in Corinthians, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, he says this in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians. So there again, you know, is, is this mean we can gloss over this? Because, oh, that's just standard Paul opening stuff. He's just, he just says that. Let's get on past it. Well, when is he talking to the Colossians? What is he saying to the Colossians? Well, he's saying this to the Colossians. It's not uniquely addressing them apart from everyone else, but it's still addressing them. And I would say if Paul wrote us a letter, he would put it in there too. And in fact, I think the Spirit did. So, Addresses us. <laughs> so why, why does everybody need to hear this? Why do we need to hear this? Why do you, why do I need to hear 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I get a letter from Paul, I think there's something about this world and the hustle and the bustle and the craziness, the tempestuousness of it, that that we need to hear grace to you and peace from God our Father. As if I sit and if I, you know, there's so much value in just sitting and thinking for five minutes on something like that. But I think, how often do I do that? But there it is. Grace and peace to y'all. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. And, you know, here we go again. We're still very much in Paul's standard approach. Uh, In the Ephesians, he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And, you know, Philemon, who the experts say, you know, wrote this at the same time. And Philemon, I think it's pretty obvious because he's sending it by the same guy. I I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. So, Paul prayed for people a lot. You know, there's one obvious takeaway from this, right? We see this. In Colossians, we see, we see this in Ephesians, to Philemon, to other churches. He, he prayed for people a lot. He, he was thankful a lot, right? He was thankful a lot. And something else that we can, hear, well, that we can take away, I think, is that our, our faith and our love carries. So don't think that your faith in Christ Jesus that your dedication, your love for him and love for others, that that goes unnoticed. It doesn't. Some way or another it gets out. And a lot of that I attribute to just the spirit because it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us. We're not self-promoting. We're not, you know, organizing all sorts of campaigns to get the word out on how great we are, right? But faith and love carries. It travels. It's got legs. All right. Let's get back to uh, the main, uh, this, the, the second sort of block here. And this is, again, that one big long sentence. And I thought to break it up more, but There's a lot of this that is together, I think, for a reason. So I want to call out one thing that I see. This is still, I mean, he's just getting warmed up here, right? He's just, you know, getting warmed up. And I wanted to call this out here, that he's already got, you know, faith, hope, and love right here, right? We recognize that from 1 Corinthians 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love, 
And Paul has got these, or the Spirit has got these, right here in verses 3, in, in, in verse 4 and 5, linked together. We heard of your faith and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I'm not 100% sure where this because comes in. Is this, you know, faith and your love because of the hope? Or I kind of suspect maybe partly this, that we give thanks to God because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I looked up the Greek and I'm not really sure. In the Ephesians letter, he has a very similar thing, and it's a lot more clear there. He's thanking God for them. But in this one, it, you know, I could, I could see that, okay, we're talking about giving thanks to, uh, giving thanks to God because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. That's something to be thankful for. Um, and that... I, I, I allow for that here just because that's sometimes the way these really long sentences work. You know, they got these long sort of pair of uh, prepositional phrases inside, and but in any case, I think the point is, is that this church needs to see that their faith their love and their hope are all knit together. And that much is clear. And I want to point out here again that he's, because he's readdressing it, right? Verse 4, since we heard, right? If we went back to... um, to the, the first couple of verses, he's talking about their faithfulness, right? And now he, here he, he, we're coming back around to it in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith. And this is not too uncommon. I mean, we hear of this in, in the other things as well, like we saw with Ephesus. And, and that, you know, it carries, it, it travels. And that's because faith Hope and love is not something that we feel. It, it, that's, just, that's, that's not... <laughs> hope isn't just, you know, a feeling I have. Faith isn't just something I believe. I believe something in my heart. Um, love is not just the goodness that sits here inside me. It's active. We, we, we see that in, in James. James says, hey, I love, you know, James's letter is kind of right straight blunt almost. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If, if we're not doing what we come here and we talk about and we say we believe, uh, you know, somebody stands up here all the time saying what we believe. And, you know, we get amens and stuff from folks on Sunday mornings because we believe it. But if we're not doing it, 
then we're deceiving ourselves, is what James says. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, is talking about the word, and continues in it, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And this one will be blessed in what he does. And, and then later, James, of course, writes, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. I wish you well. Good on you. <laughs> but you don't give them the things that are needed for the body. What does it profit? James says, what, are you, what good are you? If all you do is just, you know, you sit and boy, yeah, that's awful. I hate that for you. What good are we? James continues, thus also by faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Right? Somebody who thinks they're sharp or clever. Right? You know, we have different gifts, right? Paul wrote to that in Corinthians. We got different gifts. You know, some of us are, you know, evangelists or preachers or, or teachers or... You know, some people have a greater measure of faith than others. And so I have faith and you have works. And James says, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Good. <laughs> it's good you believe, you know. I wish you could say that's all it took to be, to be in good company. But James makes it clear that that's not all it takes. Because <laughs> just by saying you're believing doesn't put you in good company, right? James says, you believe that there is one God? Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't want to just quit there, do I? I don't want to just be lumped in with the demons. But do you want to know, oh foolish man, what that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Uh, do you see that faith was, working together with his, uh, faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And I think this is interesting because, you know, Abraham you think of as a great man of faith. And we typically think of, Lo, look, at the, look at the faith of Abraham, and James is, 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 is taking that specific example and saying, hey, that one is an example of works. It's not that they're different. It's your, your faith and your works are really are two sides of the same coin. And if, if you're not doing what you think you believe, then you really don't believe that. 
You, you really don't. You know, you, you, I, I wear my seatbelt. I've been in a few vehicle accidents. I, you know, I've seen the benefits personally of a seatbelt. I believe that it's safe, safer for me to be in, in driving in my vehicle with a seatbelt on. Now, you can say, oh, yeah, I believe that too. And don't, you don't really believe that. No, 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 really, I, I believe that. No, you don't. Don't tell me you believe that your seatbelt is a really critical safety feature of your vehicle that you don't use. Either that or you don't really believe your life is valuable. Because our actions expose our beliefs. It's not, they're not different things. They, they just, that's, you're seeing them. I, I like, I like the Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. All right? Why is it, why is faith the substance? Why is faith evidence? Because we can see it. It's tangible. We can touch it. You can't touch faith. Faith is ethereal. It's what I believe. No, it's very much what I can see. All right, so enough preaching on that, right? I think that was left over from the previous slide. All right. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. I've got to get through this quickly. Um, because I really want to get to the part where we're talking about the importance of this gospel message. Right, which I said was like the key to the rest of this, or the, the, the anchor, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So, the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. He's talking about, of course, you know, our expectation of what's coming for us in, in heaven. And, and the glories and all the uh, mind-blowing, better-than-we-can-imagine stuff, that life that awaits us there. That's laid up for you in heaven. It's like piled up up there. It says, and you heard about this before, before now. So previously, you, uh, you heard of this in the word of the truth of the gospel. And this is the, I think this is critical. And this sets, this, sets them up for the whole rest of the book. Because they, they've heard the message right? We've got, um, we've got a message. It's the gospel. It's good news. And it's truth. And I think that's the key element here in all of this. This is truth. It's the truth of the gospel. And it, it's come to them. As, as, it has, as it has also in all the world, he says next, right? So, hey, that's us again. It's come to the, Coloss uh, to the Colossians, and it's come to us. And it's come to people the world over. But the important part is that it's the truth. It's the truth. And it's bringing forth fruit 
in them, it's changing us, right? We're set apart. We're to be different. How do we be different? It's that gospel. It's that message. It's that truth. That's what brings forth the fruit. That's what brings forth the, the, the peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control. That comes from the word. That comes from the gospel. And then he says here, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. And I, I want to call out that this is the first case here where that, that uh, root word for Greek knowledge is that we pick up on here, which is going to carry through as a major theme throughout the rest of the book as a, as a counter-argument to all of the other knowledge, you know, oh, I've got special knowledge, you know. And, and there are, I wanted to kind of end on this, is that there are a lot of scholars that, that think because of their textual analysis, and I'm not discounting their textual analysis, but what they do with their textual analysis, so many of these scholars, is that they evaluate how similar all the Pauline epistles are and they call this one out and they go, you know, there's a lot of things in Colossians that, that don't match the other ones. So it's probably not really authored by Paul. It was probably authored by someone else to look like it was from Paul. So they used a lot of standard Pauline stuff that's easy to copy from and they wrote Colossians. Now, What's my response to that? My response to that is that they're wasting their time. Is that they're absolutely wasting their time trying to evaluate such things. There's so much in the book of Colossians that it's worth, that's invaluable to us. And trying to pick it apart and find something that, oh, look, if I evaluate all of this, then I can make a name for myself amongst, you know, biblical scholars and theologians and, and uh, textual critics and whatnot. Here's the problem with that. And I think this is critical for the rest of the book. Is that that puts, that puts this book down here Uh, and it puts me up here as the judge, okay? The, the Bible in, 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 that, in that activity is in the position of the defendant, and I'm the judge, and that's backwards. That is 100% backwards. This is, this is where... This book goes, and this, this is where we go. God's word is the judge. And we're the accused. We're the guilty. And so from here on out, he's going to be talking to them about the knowledge and knowing, truth, 
things that have a work within us and upon us that change us so that our faith isn't just something that we think or believe at home by ourselves, but it actually comes out. It's who we are. It's part of what we do because of this. But the moment we get up here and put this Bible down there and start thinking things like that, not only are we, are we wasting our time and flushing our lives down the drain, but we're doing the exact same thing the book of Colossians warns the people of Colossae about. That you have received and you heard and you knew the grace of God in truth. You have received this. You've heard this. You've known this. Don't switch places. Don't think that you can rise above that truth, that knowledge, which is absolute. Don't, put, don't, don't slip, make the same mistake Eve did, right? Well, let me, let me, let me entertain this conversation with the devil on, on, well, you know, is that exactly what God said? You know, maybe God really wasn't the author of, uh, <laughs> of telling me it was, you know, forbidden to eat of this tree. Maybe that was somebody else because, you know, that didn't sound a whole lot like God because he hasn't really told me to, do, to, to not do a lot of things before. We can play, you know, with the Scriptures and twist them all day long in all kinds of ways if we want to. But Colossians warns us against doing that. We've received the truth. Let's stick with it. Um, that's the study for tonight. I know I didn't really get to the part of talking about Epiphras. Um, he comes up later, so I wasn't too worried about that. Uh, if you're here tonight and you need to obey the gospel to put Christ on in baptism, or if you need the prayers of the church, or if you need to address the church in any way, now is the time for that, and I encourage you to do so if you have anything on your heart. Because um, we need to be a church that's involved with each other and that are living out the faith that we profess to have. So let's, let's be standing and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479 647 2658. May God bless you.